get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in our friend, Cardinals radio broadcaster Mike Claiborne. Check out all of his great work at ClavesOnline.com and follow him on Twitter at ClavesOnline. Good morning, Claves. How are you? I am doing well. How about you guys? We are doing great. I don't know if I got to talk to you last week after the Oliver Marmol press conference, but I wanted to get your take. What did you make of his introductory press conference, his first time meeting the media as the manager of the Cardinals? Well, um, you know, one of the things about coaches today, and you pick the sport, uh, they don't have a chance to really speak to the media a great deal. A lot of teams have decided they'd rather have it come from one person uh, and that's normally the head coach or the manager. But uh, I thought Ollie accounted for himself well. In, in my time and knowing him since he's been in the organization as a coach, uh, he's always been a guy who, who thinks it out. I mean, he's not a guy who's straight from the hip. I mean, he's a well-prepared individual, and I expect to see that more as he flourishes as a manager. Yeah, Mike, I'd like to see the uh, the pieces that we've seen on Ali, whether it be in the local news or in the uh, the newspaper, and learn more about Ali. When, when I say this, Mike, I'm not being pessimistic, but it seems whenever there's a new coach that's introduced, even Mike Schilt, just so many good things said. This guy's got a great future, really has a handle on things. He's been around. But in, in your dealings with Ali, just what sticks out to where you think this is the right guy and, and a guy who's got the pedigree where in three years we're not looking back and saying, well, it didn't work out? You know, it's a good question to ask, Jeremy, because, you know, you think about Mike Bettini, Mike Schilt, no managerial experience and, uh, on the big league level. And it's it's different um, compared to what guys deal with in the minors. I mean, if you're in the minors, maybe you talk to one or two media people. Uh, it's a lot more relaxed. You don't have as many things in between you and the game uh, as you do at this level. But, and I think one of the things I've appreciated about him is he's well organized. Uh, he's a guy that when he was a bench coach would oversee workouts uh, you know, or drills that they would have, whether it's in spring training or the, the final month of the season, you know, he'd be on the field making sure it was done right. So uh, he's a detailed guy. He's organized. And, and I think he's a pretty good communicator from what I've seen. Now, obviously when you're a bench coach, you're relaying directors from the manager. So, you know, that can kind of go one or two ways. But, you know, overall, I think from what I've seen, he seems like he has the ability to get people's attention and do it in a professional manner. And, Clibs, I know that John Mozeliak and Oliver Marmol had said that they would hope to have the Cardinals coaching staff in place by the end of the World Series. Do you see any major shakeups happening there, or do you anticipate that most of the coaching staff that was in place this season will return for next year? I think most 
of the staff will return. Uh, obviously, you have uh, a bench coach role to fill, uh, replacing Ali, and, and there may be another spot on, on the on the staff that may be up for. They, they may go in a different direction, or maybe somebody might feel like they'd like to try something else. So, I, I think you'll see most of the staff back. Uh, they all know each other, and, and ironically, they, you know, most of them have worked together in a previous destination. So, you know, it's not a situation where some guys are fresh off the off the truck and doesn't know anybody. Although the next person I would imagine will be of that nature. Uh, you know, maybe it's time to have somebody with a new set of eyes to come in the organization. Maybe it's a former Cardinal. Maybe it's someone that they're familiar with. To, to come in and assume a role of just having a fresh set of eyes on what we have and, and where we need to go. All right, Mike, help out Michelle and myself. We just were posed to take it or leave it. The question, how many Cardinals will win the gold glove? I think it was four out of the six, Michelle. We had to, to say whether four, at least four would get it. Yachty, Arenado, Goldie, Bader, O'Neal, Edmund. First of all, do four of those guys get it? Who do you think? I think Bader gets it. Um Arenado gets it. Goldie gets it. I think those three are shoe-ins. I think um, O'Neal, who had had seven errors or eight errors this year, so that that's going to kind of be a, a damper for him. Um, Yachty's had maybe maybe a couple of pass balls that maybe some other guys didn't have. But I think the ones who have the inside track are the two corner guys and, and certainly Bader. And I was saying to Michelle, asking her the question, you think it works against the Cardinals in terms of having six guys? I mean, I know when I vote for some of these awards, you, you really try to individualize it and Spread say, okay, it does this yeah. guy deserve it? But at the same time, you look big picture, you can't see yourself voting for five or six guys. Yeah, you know, that's a good point, Jeremy. Um, you don't want to stack a team, but, you know, if they prove it, then you, it's hard to overlook. But, you know, I, I think most voters try and spread the wealth as far as talent's concerned. Um, so that's why I don't think we'll have four or five guys. I think if you have three, uh, I think everybody should feel good about that. Cardinals radio broadcaster, and you can check out all of his great work. He's he's the proprietor of Claves Online. Claves Online. ClavesOnline.com. Mike Claiborne with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line 101 ESPN. And Claves, I wanted to ask you about the Blues. Our question of the day that we've posed to everyone is, do you think that this Blues team is for real? 6-1-0 start. Do you think they're real or do you think it's a little bit of fool's gold? What's your take? Well, that's, man, we, we're not even to Thanksgiving yet. We've got that question out there. Um yeah, you know what? I think they are because of of what we've seen, and, and I think what the, re- the reason why I say it that way is because the guys who are playing well have shown that they played well before. This isn't a bunch of guys showing up and like, wait, where did this guy come from? I've never seen this from him before. Now, obviously, you have some young players that are trying to find their way, but you know, you 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 know that Shen and Tarasenko and O'Reilly and people of that nature. Uh, have shown the skill set to be really good, and if you and if you have enough of them, and it becomes contagious to the younger players. So yeah, I think they're for real. Um, you know, now what does that mean? They're not going to be the '76 Canadians, you know, or anything like that, where they're going to run off, you know, and have 130 points or anything. But you know, I think what what they've done, or at least what they've shown me so far is that they've narrowed that gap between themselves and Colorado and, and Vegas, uh, the two teams in the conference that I think everybody feels is a pretty good hockey club. So, 
they've narrowed that gap so far. Um, yeah, I think like every other team, you got to stay away from the injuries. And when you do have the injury, you have to have guys who can step in and, and take up those minutes. And I'm not just talking about going out for a casual 30-second skate. I'm talking about a person who can go out and make something happen, whether it's being on, on the forecheck or scoring a power play goal or doing a, a killing a penalty. They've got to find guys who step up and, and take full advantage of the minutes that are available to them. Clabes, you saying that it's not even Thanksgiving yet? It reminds me, you know, with baseball, I've been hearing you say for years that you got to wait till Flag Day, that my anniversary, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, but Clabes, uh, what is it with hockey? What date are you looking for? Where you, you, you say, okay, it's things are real January now. January fifteenth. I, I think Martin Luther King's birthday <laughs> is uh, is what I look at, and and here's the reason why: because by then. You you had a Western swing, and you've, you've decided whether this young player can play or not. And for the younger guys, they hit the wall at that point. You know, and that, at that point, you kind of see who can fight through it. You know, especially if you've had guys that have played college hockey. Uh, not that Blues have a lot of those guys, but I think the younger players uh, have to deal with the travel and, the, you know, three games and four nights and things of that nature. And while you don't have it very often, you go through it once or twice, and Jeremy, you 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 know how that is as, as covering a team with the toll it can take on you physically and mentally. So once guys hit that wall, then we see who can pick themselves up and and who are the the components of a team that can be successful. What a great point! Yeah, as you were saying those couple of things, I was thinking you're right on. You you got the Western Conference swing, and that doesn't happen early on. It usually happens by December, early January. And also guys like Jake Neighbors, and I realize he's kind of a different type of example, 19 year old kid than we're used to seeing. But you're right, Mike. You find out about the young kids, you know, three four months into the season, not that first month. Well, and here's here's the other thing that comes into a new, and one of the reasons why I go past the holidays. The holidays can be a real distraction for players. Uh, you got family, you got friends in town, or you know you're trying to make sure that the, the kids get the gifts. And, and there's a lot of things that happen away from the rink that can run through a player's head. Not to mention that whole time leading up to the holidays. You know when they have that moratorium where you can't trade a guy during the Christmas holiday. You know everybody's wondering, okay, what's December 26th or 27th going to look like? Because some teams would try and make an adjustment earlier than the trade deadline. So a lot of things take place. You want to get them into a rhythm of just playing hockey, and I think it, that's why you have to take it into the middle of January. Mike, I just had one more quick one. We saw the, the fight Shen sticks up for Falker in the season, and then last game he's hustling back, gets smashed into the boards, goes off for a second, comes back, concussion protocol, comes back again. Has there been anybody like Braden Shen since Brian Sutter? Boy, uh, no, no, um, and, and you know, and because you know, yeah, have there been guys who were tough and could fight? Yeah, with Blues have had a few of those, but they've never had a guy who's a two-way player who can score as well and understands his role and doesn't need a letter on a sweater to go out and prove that you know he's part of a team and they're going to be team tough. Um, you know, there are nights where I wish he didn't fight. But because of the way the game is now, the reason why I love Braden Shin is he makes you accountable whether you have two minutes in penalties or 200 minutes in penalties. If you do something wrong to one of his teammates, he's going he's gonna to get in your face and hold you accountable. Now, does that mean he's going to win every fight? No, he's not going to win every fight. But I got news for you. The guy who he did fight sitting in the penalty box saying, okay, that's one guy I'm probably not going to mess with anymore. 
Great stuff from Mike Claiborne, as always. Follow him on Twitter at Claves Online and check out his great website at ClavesOnline.com, www.ClavesOnline.com. Hey, what do you have going on, on the website? So well, first of all, did you did you find anything fashion wise? I did. I did not, and I looked for you too, Claves. But as I told you, <laughs> it's all street style now. Yeah, I know. And you know, I you know, at my age, you don't want to look like a, you're part of a boy band or anything. So, <laughs> what, what is this all about? Claims you're the best dressed guy in the he press is. box. How many more clothes do you need? He is. He sent well, me on a mission you know in New what? York to look for him, and I couldn't find him anything good. My significant says that all the time. How many? Well, it's you know, it's better than other vices that people have. So I, I look at it that way. That's true. Uh, uh, this week on the site, you know, from a hockey standpoint, we've got Everett Fitzhugh, who is the uh, first African American uh, play-by-play man for the National Hockey League with the Seattle Kraken, and we'll talk about his journey. Uh, he and Chris Kerber have a few uh, few ties going to the same university, but also he talks about that building that the Kraken are playing in, and it's a very unique setup and. I think anybody who has a chance to listen to what Seattle is doing, uh, not just from a hockey standpoint, but from a city standpoint, is something maybe we should be paying closer attention to. Uh, also, we'll be continuing our baseball coverage. Uh, Keith Costas has a podcast today. He and Bob Ramsey and Rammer and uh, Joe Roderick will have their um, daily cards. And Thursday, Howard Richards and I will have Huddle Up with Howard. We'll talk some football. We always have some pretty good guests on that podcast. That sounds great. We'll be checking it out. Thanks so much, Claves. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, gang. Take care. See you, sharp-dressed man. <laughs> That's Mike Claiborne on the Brown and Group in Celebrity Land on 101 ESPN. Yeah, I was in New York last week, and I get a text from Claves saying, hey, if you find anything <laughs> fashion-wise, you let me know. And I'm like, okay, I'll look for you. I'll take some pictures of some stuff. And I went, I went to... Um, this store that was supposed to be it for men's fashion. It's like a, a new hot store. And I said, <laughs> I sent Claves the name and I'm like, I'm here. Is this something that you're interested in? Because it seems like street style is the big thing now. And he's like, no, I can't be, I can't be wearing that. I'm like, I don't blame you, but I just, this is where I was told to go. So I had to pass it along. So yeah. I feel like I failed in my mission to, to help Mike Claiborne find something stylish in New York City. Michelle, I try not to stand by him in the press box. <laughs> I, I stand about 20 feet away all the time. So nobody sees us standing together. I know. And it, compares. Everything is tailored. He always looks so sharp. Uh, and be sure to follow him online or on Twitter at Claibs Online. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.